Welcome to the Rural Sales Show with my dad and host Sinjin Craner. Each week, my dad interviews people who you can learn from like sales and marketing experts, authors and performance coaches to help you and your rural sales team get to the next level. Oh, and make sure you subscribe or rate us on iTunes so you can buy me a motorbike. And now here's my dad. On the show this week, we are very lucky to have uh, Rebecca Grease. Rebecca is a good friend, uh, based down in Central Hawke's Bays on the Manawatu border. Comes from good, fine rural stock, farming herself with her husband, Richard, and um, on Hill Country Farm, Sheep and Beef Farm. Rebecca has a very good media background. Uh, she's been editor of Farmers Weekly, uh, Country Life, Dairy Exporter, is now co-presenter for Rural Exchange on Saturday mornings and on the radio, uh, podcaster. And Bex is on the show because um, there might be a few of you who need to get the whole world of media and PR, sort of um, all the myths and all the um cloud and smoke that might surround it um maybe demystified a wee bit and we unpack a whole bunch of things like uh what you need to do to catch the eye of an editor um what makes a really good article what what we mean by what is a newsworthy story what is a story what's that hook what's the angle um the do's and don'ts if you want to promote your service or product to the rural media how the rural media uh, landscape is changing and a whole lot more. So as always, lots to learn. Um, so yeah, more you learn, more you earn. And I hope for a few of you that are looking at the media and PR space, uh, Bex is a fountain of knowledge on all this stuff. And it was great to have her on the show. So enjoy. And uh, I'll hand over to Bex. So Bex, great to have you here on the show. I thought, why don't we just start because I know you'll feel super comfortable about doing this. Why don't you tell us all and all the listeners about you uh, your marvelous media background, and obviously now that you're farming. So, can we could we start there, my friend? We can. Thank you for having me on for a start. Um, really exciting. First time I've done a podcast. Um, I've hosted a podcast, but not not been a guest. So this is a first time experience. Um, so yeah, grew up on a farm in Hawke's Bay, a family farm, and love farming and love people, but didn't want to actually be a farmer. Uh, went to university. Uh, went to Canterbury and did a BA and then followed that with a postgrad diploma in journalism, which I loved, and then went straight into daily news, worked for a couple of daily newspapers and did all sorts from, you know, council to education to sport um, and wanted to actually go into the ag side of it. And the deputy editor said to me, oh, why on earth would you want to do that? Because you're doing so well on the on the hard news side of it. And he basically thought it was sort of a death, death signal for my career, which I disagreed with. And, and in the end, I um, went overseas and worked on a cattle station in Australia as a as a ringer. And while I was over there, I made contact with Tony Leggett, who people will probably be familiar with, who now owns Countrywide and Dairy Exporter, and said, you know, I'd really love to work for you. And when I came back from Australia... They had a position for me and I did all sorts of things within that business and ultimately ended up as news editor and then editor of New Zealand Farmers Weekly. Also did a stint in the press gallery while I was there for them. Uh, they owned a little business called Newsroom, which was out of the press gallery. So I did an election, which was very interesting. When I met my husband, I didn't want to drive to fielding every day. So I 
decided to start my own business and work for myself. So I just kept freelancing for those publications and writing as a journalist and also started doing some work in the marketing and PR space, mainly for small ag businesses that wanted to communicate with their customers but maybe didn't have a marketing person. So that has been anything from website content to blogs to newsletters, customer stories, testimonials, helping them get placement in the media. And more recently, I've kind of gone back to journalism because that is what I love. And currently, my core things that I do are uh, I write a lot for a horse magazine called Show Circuit, which I have been the editor of in the past, and contribute to Countrywide, also host a podcast under the Young Country banner, which is called From the Ground Up, and that's around entrepreneurial, innovative people doing great, interesting new things in the ag space. And most recently, I have started co-hosting the weekend show for Rural Exchange on the radio, which and it's also a podcast. And that's it in a nutshell. So this um, that keeps you pretty busy, and then you've also got the farmer Richard as well. So like how things how things have changed because I know your media background. We, we've been, like, known each other for years, but like you've got this amazing media background. Now you're obviously farming as well. How how things changed now that you've kind of got the media and the farming? Because I know you. It's interesting when I was the editor of Farmers Weekly. You know, you always think you know what farmers want to read about, and I think we had we have a good idea as the rural media of what people are interested in. And obviously you have a team of journalists that contribute to that publication who are talking to farmers all the time and have their, you know, the, the ear to the ground. But do, like I did used to question myself sometimes, do, I, is, do people actually want to read about this? And I feel like now that I am living on a farm, living that experience of the challenges, the things that really actually affect us on a day to day, I have a bit more of an insight into actually what our farm is interested in. Will this help my business? Will this, is this information we need to know to help us be better farmers or to help us meet regulation or whatever it might be? Um, I just feel like now I have a better balanced understanding with a foot in both camps, if you like. Yeah, good. I bet, I bet, I bet kind of rounding off that balance. I mean, you've always come from a, from a rural background, but having that media and having that farming experience is a, is a beautiful blend. So Bex, I'm going to kick off with, um, cause you, you know how my brain thinks scary thing that it is, is when it comes to like rural companies, when you've been an editor and you've been that kind of, forgive me, Bex, you can slap me when you next see me, that kind of gatekeeper and you're <laughs> that editor. Um, do you, and you can challenge me on that, of course, in a minute is, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see when rural companies and people that are listening to this podcast, when they're pitching stories to you, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see they make? First of all, I'd say it was a long time ago that I was the editor of Farmers Weekly, you know, a good probably 10, nearly 10 years now. Uh, but I, I would think that not a lot has changed. And I guess the thing that people need to understand is that when you're the editor of a publication like that, you are getting hundreds of press releases, emails, phone calls. I mean, I used to have to put my phone on do not disturb just so I could actually do the paper um, because you're just constantly getting stuff coming at you. So 
spamming an editor for a start is is a really big turn off. Um, you get to know the people quite quickly who only contact you when they really have something of value, and those people that understand what is newsworthy and maybe what isn't. And I think it comes down to who you're trying to target because sometimes a story might not have national news value, but that doesn't mean it doesn't have some news value. So I think you need to identify all your potential avenues. It it could be newsletters of industry organisations. It could be smaller community papers because there's heaps of them out there. And you might be able to get some really good placement and maybe some of those, I don't want to say lesser publications because they're not, but some of those smaller ones that are maybe your local and you could form some really good relationships there and really save the the juicy stuff for the, the bigger guys. If you, you really need to question what is the value of this and is it actually worth trying to to get some traction with it because no one and everyone thinks that their their business and their idea or their product is the best and the most important and that they want to have media coverage and that it's worthy of it and I get that but at the same time you've got to think of all the other people that are competing for that space and you really have to ask yourself you know would you read this if it was in um, a national paper, because obviously there's levels. I mean, some things are going to get on national TV. Um, some things are going to get on the radio. Some things are going to get in the national farming paper. Um, other things, while they might be a big deal for your business and an important step forward and something that you want people to know about, you might have to just maybe temper your expectations in terms of where you might get coverage I suppose is what I would want to say (laughs) Mm. Um, and a big thing there too I think is what I would suggest to people is that a really good thing is to identify all of the potential sources or outlets for your news um, from the little guys right up to the top and who the contact person is at that place and if you're coming into the business as a marketing person or maybe you are the point of contact for the media, it's really useful if you can actually build some relationships with the key editors and people. So you might send them an email to introduce yourself, explain what your business is doing, let them know that you might have some stories that are of interest to them from time to time. But also I think it's quite quite a good thing is if you can um, identify where you might be able to add value. So you might have someone within your business that's got really good knowledge around a certain topic or if you're a a tech company, you might be able to talk on um, innovation or something in that space or if you're in the financial space, you might be able to talk about budgeting or um, you might have someone that's really good on farm succession or something like that. So you might be able to put people forward as almost an, an authority or someone that people could seek comment from on those topics if they are covering it in the future. So if you have people that, yeah, have good knowledge and could be like a spokesperson or could be someone that could comment on industry issues from time to time, um, you know, you could offer that or you could suggest that is there content that they would be interested in? 
could we work together to create some great content, that sort of thing. Um, I think building a network and actually having the relationship with the people where they know who you are when you contact them is really important. Where do you, Bex, so much value in that answer. So much value. And so let's unpack that a wee bit. Um, first of all, as we unpack, because there's a, there's a lot in that which is really, really good, is what, what are some of the mistakes you see them make? Like you've talked about things they do need to do, but sometimes people need to be told what they, they're not doing right to work out what they need to be doing right. You know what I mean? So like I, the best way. Yeah. Yeah, so I was thinking about this. So something that used to get my back up, and I don't know if other editors find this, but it is if you do contact an editor about a story, and I used to always always respond to people, you know, even if it was just thank you for your email, I'm sorry we're not interested in this at this time, or we, you know, the paper's full or whatever. Um, what used to really rile me is when people try and come back at you and justify, you know, oh well, I actually disagree. I think this is worthwhile because of X, Y, and Z. I'm sorry, but that's not going to make me change my mind. And actually, that just really annoys me. Um, I've made a call on based on my judgment. And I think trying to argue the point is not helpful. Um, I think you just have to accept that maybe that time it didn't work out. Um, or try and make sure that the next time you submit something, yeah, could it be presented better? Are there things that would help that would actually get you cut through in, in the first place? Which we can, plenty of things we can talk about there. But um, I think, yeah, if you trying to argue with people about why something does or doesn't belong in the paper is not going to help you. And I also think another mistake um, people make is not understanding deadlines. Yeah. So if there are publications that you want to have a relationship with or you want to try and get into, it, it could also be helpful to ask if you can have a copy of their deadlines or if you could know, for example, with Farmers Weekly, the paper goes to bed on a Friday night. So if you send me a press release or a story on Friday morning, unless you are Fonterra announcing your result or unless it is a huge breaking or you know foot and mouth is just broken out or something like that um you are not going to get in the paper that week and so then you're going to fall into the following week which is a, another whole week later so not knowing when that paper goes to bed or when that publication has a deadline um if you're going to target Another one, for example, is, say, Countrywide, which I work for, and that's a monthly publication. So when they're only a week out from deadline, they will have a lot of their content already um, locked in. and, and plan like they, They'll be planning way in advance. So you really need to think about trying to, um, I guess, be ahead of the news cycle. Or for Farmers Weekly, for example, if you were to send something on a Monday or a Tuesday, that you were hoping would get in that week's paper, you will have a much better chance of um, making it happen than you would if you sent it on Friday morning. Brilliant. So two things I've learned there straight away. <clears throat> I think I'm guilty of one of them, possibly two. Um, well, names will be protected for the uh, innocent. Is don't argue, like trust the editor's judgment because you're representing the best interests of the paper and your readers. And secondly, 
respect the deadline as well because news is obviously when it's new it's new and when it's not it's not and it's it moves very very quickly i have a wife that uh is not not like you and you're higher clays i have a sister-in-law that works for stuff and and you know they don't understand that you are so deadline driven so so good and so so tight and you're so so overwhelmed and and you're right i remember you bex you were always so good i think when we might have uh tried to get a couple of stories you always replied and a lot of this don't you know so you took the time but i think as you rightly say is just accept it and if you do get an opportunity as you build that relationship is to learn what an editor might look for and 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 you know give them the time and grace that they might if you built that relationship up they might give you some of those uh would, would I be right in saying that? Yeah, absolutely. And it's not to say that I, I wouldn't put my hand in my heart and say that I never made a wrong decision about whether something should or should not have gone in the paper. Um, you know, we're all human. But, yeah, I think, um, I yeah, I'd like to think that I always acknowledge people and that I'm respectful. You know, I know that if people have taken the time to contact you, they're busy too. Um, but, yeah, you, they just need to realise that they are not the only person that is wanting um, space in the paper that week um, there are probably 20 other people who have a good story and, and it could come down to something you know I don't want to say minor but you know it, it could a lot come down to timing the sort of information that you've supplied to them whether you've got good photos that's a really huge one um, yeah I, I don't know whether you want to get into that a bit later in terms of okay so why don't i yeah. help you because i know where this is where it's going because it's really funny because i'm in the seat use you're in the seat you know my next question my question is going to be how do you make it easy for an editor to run a story yeah so the, i'm really speaking to the farmers weekly cycle here and it may have changed since i was there they may do things differently so i don't want to say that you can do this and you're going to get in that paper because i don't have anything to do with it anymore um but earlier in the week, things are quieter and you have more time. The week gets busier as, as it goes on because you need to get, especially if it's a big paper and you have you, a lot of pages to get filled and get proofed and get off to the printer. And you're not going to do all of them on Friday. So some we will do early or we would do early pages. So if you've got something that is a good story that you think you know, is worth approaching the paper about. If you go earlier in the week, if you provide a good press release or you know the base information, uh, if you and it's well written, and you provide further contact details, you know maybe someone that they could interview if they want to take it further or delve a bit more into the issue. So you should, you know, I would always put contact details and that person that's down as the contact person should obviously know that you are doing this and be willing to be available if they are called and I can't stress enough that good imagery is also really important um a lot of papers and this will be particularly like small ones and community papers they don't have a lot of resource and they don't have a lot of staff so if you can provide a really well written piece of copy with a really nice photo and I'm not talking like a head and shoulders mug shot because boring um you know <laughs> if you have a nice photo of the person or, or a couple of people in question or the product 
and you have a nice rural setting and it's outdoors and maybe it's in a field with some sheep or something and it's it's a good quality photo it doesn't have to be professional but if it is obviously that's great too um and you provide that with a caption and if you need a credit for the photographer just make it easy so that the person doesn't have to go looking for more information if they want to take it further um and if you provide well-written copy with a good photo and they've got some early space that they need to fill, you may have more chance of getting onto an early page and having them run. Like, let's be honest, a lot of press releases get run in papers. Um, so if you can supply a well-written bit of copy, you know, they, they may run it without any changes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what you said there is, it's basic principles. If you can, you know, newsrooms are incredibly busy, fast paced places. It's sometimes scarce. Like you say, the, the smaller community papers, they're not manned as much as a news desk. So you've got to make it super easy. And like you said, if you can give them a really good photo, and even if it's, you know, because you talk about press releases, and I think that sometimes intimidates people that maybe don't understand PR and media. Like you were, you were very gracious there, Bex. You said, even if it's just like good copy or base information with, a further contact that can help because what's your views on like press releases and PR agencies because you know some of the listeners here might not have a PR agency what would you say to like uh then if they're struggling or maybe you know a bit bit freaked out and overwhelmed like with the whole concept oh my god I've got to write a, a press release what's a press release what would you say uh so you mean like in terms of what would it be worth getting someone some outside help involved or I mean yeah obviously PR companies and people that can write press releases, they're there for a reason because they're good at it and it is something that you can outsource. I guess the only thing I would be wary of with that is that it has to be the right fit for your business. They have to really understand your business and understand who you're trying to talk to and who is going to be reading it. Um, they might be a really good writer, but if they don't have the knowledge or it's not to say that you can't write about agriculture if you don't have an agricultural background, not at all. Um, I've written about many things that I had little to no prior knowledge of. Um, as long as you can brief that person or provide them with someone within your business that they could interview to create that content, um, a good writer would be able to to put something together, no problem, even if they don't have an agricultural background. But I mean, obviously, it's gold if you've got someone within your business that can can do that. And I guess it doesn't have to be a press release. Even if you were able to send an email to the editor with, you know, this is what this is what is happening. Um, this is why we think it, it, farmers would like to know about it, or the industry would like to know about it, or this is why we think it's of value. And if you can say, look, if if you would like to know more please come back to me. This is my contact details. Um, you might still be able to um, get some good cut through that way. But yeah, obviously not everyone does have access to that or, or feels comfortable writing. And it's easy for me to say because it's what I've been doing for a long time. And I, it, like I'm bad at numbers. I can't do maths and it doesn't come easy to me. Whereas writing, it, it doesn't really, 
I don't really have to think about it, which is, is lucky for me, but that's why this is what I do for a job. I didn't try and be an accountant because that would be a disaster. Um, could, you imagine, but, could you imagine an accountant writing a press release? How would that go? Well, I don't know. It's not to say that you, you could be an accountant and you can't write. I'm sure there's probably some that can, but <clears throat> I think it's about thinking about how you're going to communicate your message because if you're going to use a whole lot of high-level language and jargon and things like that, People don't understand that either. So as long as you can break it down into an easy-to-understand concept, or it really just comes down to why is it interesting and why do you think, like, what impact does it have for farmers? Or is it new? Is it different? What's unique about it? What is my selling point? Why should people care about this? Um, and don't dress it up with too much technical detail if they need more I guess I would always think that because as a journalist I was always taught that a press release is always only ever a starting point and you should then make a phone call and find out more but the reality is is that the the way that newsrooms are going and with less staff and things is that sometimes press releases do just if it's a good press release they do stand alone and it's fine Mm, absolutely and I think again you beautifully answered one of my next questions is what what is almost like the mental checklist because you know you're reeling it off from your experience and and again you're super humble Bex but like you know this stuff and like is it new is it different is it unique will the reader find it interesting because the thing that I've found um as I know dealing with you and lots of others is, is it has to be newsworthy doesn't it so tell me and forgive me if I'm duplicating or ask you to answer it in the same way maybe with different words what makes something newsworthy? Well, it depends on what publication you're aiming for. Obviously, with Countrywide, we're looking for things that um, that's more aimed around um, industry issues, um, on-farm practices, people that are doing um, a really good job on-farm. It's a, We sort of think of it as an on-farm tool, I guess, that people could actually learn something that they could go away and in, in implement in their own business and help make your business better or is it talking about an issue that is relevant like Hewaka Ekonora at the moment for example or carbon forestry things like that um with rural exchange that's obviously weekly and that's radio and we're looking at things like you know yeah new unique what is the impact for farmers is it interesting what, what do people need to know? And I, I kind of always think of it like, how would it improve their life? Like, is it gonna is it gonna add any value? Because I watch my husband at the moment, and the weather's been horrendous, and he's going out every day in his wet weather gear, slogging around in the mud, and it's pretty monotonous. It's a bit Groundhog Day at the moment, and he's pretty bogged down in just day to day trying to run the farm. There's land movement everywhere. All the fences are snapping and um, he's just trying to keep stock in we're trying to get docking done yeah. at the end of the day you know what's he going to sit down and actually read and is it going to be worth his time when he's exhausted at the end of the day is really what I think about um, because farmers have so much coming at them all the time there's lots of information and we used to always get told this you know that um, inbox or mailbox saturation there's so much stuff out there what are they going to choose to read if they have limited time? 
Yeah, I like um something similar. I learned not not in leader school, so I'm nowhere near trained and don't know enough to harm myself. But almost this, it was a phrase I think came up conference around information of ob- ob- obesity. Like we're drowning in information, but we have a poverty of attention. So like we're drowning in information because there's such an information overload and overwhelm. It's a blizzard, isn't it? It's a bl- and we know that farmers are incredibly advertised, one of the most advertised and communicated to audiences. So you're, you're actually right. What I like about what you said there, Bex, particularly with your husband, Richard, is you almost picture your reader like a, a day in the life. What, what are they going through? And if they're going to sit down and invest their time and energy, which is finite and very valuable, make it make it worth their while. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I just think that we all have things that we think are worthy of being communicated, and a lot of them are. But how can it be put to the farmer in a way that it will be relevant to them? Yeah, and I and I reckon that's the key where the frame up and potentially where you get someone like yourself to help them write and communicate the story and find the angle because the angle of the story is so important, isn't it? That, that's what you're really talking about. I want to sort of pull that out of you. What what makes what's the angle? What's the hook? Could you give me some yeah. examples? Well, it's different. It's different with every with every story that you do, I guess. And I often get asked when I approach people for interviews and they'll say, well, what's your angle? And I always find that quite funny because to me, I don't have an angle in mind. I want to talk to them and find out all about them. And then I'm going to decide based on what they said, you know, what is the most interesting thing. Quite often, once you get into an interview, they say something that you really weren't expecting and it's the most interesting, well, in my mind, I think, yep, that's that's the most interesting part of your business and that's what I'm going to run with um, in terms of introing it. But, um, I, yeah, I, I guess it's hard for me to articulate it because it's, it's, just, part of, it's just part of the process and I usually don't think about it it just kind of happens and I couldn't yeah. tell you what's a good angle I I yeah. don't it's it's a it's, it's forgive me it's an unfair question because I think what you're saying is you will discover that angle through the process of talking and interviewing because I imagine you know sometimes when you and, and again you're super humble super grounded that's why we love you to pieces is like you know they, they might think you're a journalist and immediately people got their backs up going okay well, what's that angle but the reality is you're going to discover that angle through a process of having a conversation with them, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I always just think as a journalist, it's not my job to have an opinion on on something. I obviously am pro-rural, as are the publications that I work for. We're in the rural space. We're here for farmers. We want to you know, help them, and we're all passionate about our industry. Um, but, yeah, I I don't have an agenda despite what many people may think about journalists, and it does break me when I hear about how the media, you know, are awful and they all have a, a, a hidden agenda. I've used that word again. Um, but in my mind, our job is to listen and interview and and they are the person with the information or they're the industry expert or they're the farmer who's doing a really good winter cropping with a certain um crop and getting really good results so they have the information 
it's my job to ask the questions to draw that information out of them rather than putting my view on anything. I'm glad you didn't use the word spin there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I'm not, yeah. I'm not antagonizing you, Bex, because I know you'll thump me. But like, you know, so journalists often get a very bad rap, but ultimately you are really just trying to say like the truth or the insight or an angle that matters most for the reader to make their lives better, right? Yeah, look, and I know people put journalists up there with like used car salespeople. I'm sorry if there's any used car salespeople. Lots of salespeople listening to this. Um, But you know what I mean? Like we're not up there in terms of trusted professions, are we? And people, I don't know how we get a better perception, to be honest, but I can honestly say that the majority of journalists that I've ever worked with um, are really good people who just want to do a good job and they're certainly not out there to make things up or put uh, you know a spin (laughs) as you just said on something that's not there and to be honest we're actually bound by quite a lot of ethics and that sort of stuff is drilled into you at journalism school and you know if I made things up I would be taken to the press council and I would not have a job (laughs) yeah exactly so things like making sure you have a balanced perspective and, and both views yeah. of it and all those good things that you know. Yeah, about. all of that stuff, yeah. Exactly. That's, that should be part and parcel of any good journalism experience. Yeah, 100%. Because it's been good to explore the the experience of you but also the experience of those persons being interviewed because sometimes, you know, farmers can freak out for want of better terms that a journalist is going to call them and they don't know how to handle it or a business. And that probably, I think, will provide some show notes in how people get in touch with you because obviously you have availability to help some businesses but not all in terms of fit to help them prepare for that or how they manage media or how they create content and all those things. But before we before we get to that thing, Bex, the question I'd love to ask you is what's, what are you seeing in the media landscape? I'm, I'm going to drop a bomb on you here, but you've already been pre-warned I was going to ask this question, is – how do you think the media landscape's going? How's it changing? You know, the fact that the media were propped up by the by current government. What what views do you have? What would you like to say about that? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Even media landscape in general or rural media? Uh, let's go rural media. That would be probably more specific and useful for the listener. Yeah, well, obviously there have been a lot of changes. Um we only have Farmers Weekly. Now, when I was the editor, there were other rural – we don't only have Farmers Weekly. There's rural news um, that we get in the mail. Um, but there was obviously another weekly paper, and um, uh, competition is definitely a good thing because it keeps you on your toes, and you were always trying to beat the competition and have the best stories and the best paper and the most insightful um, interviews and um Obviously, there are aspects of opinion. We have opinion pieces and, um, you know, you're always thinking about how you can be the best. And um, when I was in Daily News, it was huge. We were always, I worked at the Waikato Times and we were always trying to beat the Herald in terms of our content. And so, yeah, I mean, that's obviously changed. I think there's a lot of opportunity. Digital has obviously become huge and there's a lot of opportunity now for things like what we're doing right now. So the podcast side of things is is growing and is massive opportunity and potential there. I think that's a really exciting side for 
or for all media, but yeah, rural, there's some really, really great rural podcasts out there now. Um, it's probably more than I can listen to um, in the time that I have. So that tells me that lots of people are getting on board with it, which is great. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much insight I can really give you on this topic. Um, I mean, some of, to help you out there, some of the, like you said, some of the principles haven't changed. The landscapes, uh, to use such a poor metaphor, is shifting, you know, a bit like your paddocks at the moment or the rain that you and Richard are having and <laughs> you know, the stability of the soil and the rest of it. But like you say, I wouldn't say there's been a concentration of media, but like things change. And I think the important point is to keep keep abreast of that change, understanding that the media, they're repurposing content across different channels now. That's what you're really saying, isn't it, around the digital kind of side? Yeah, definitely. I mean, off, often we are looking at how we can, I mean, just for example, with rural, uh, rural Exchange, just to use that, we obviously record the show and we're on the radio. It's also um, available as a podcast. We then turn stories into, uh, well, the audio stories we, we then have print stories for, which are also shared through social media as well. So there's a lot of avenues for your content, I guess, Um and that's one thing that, that people can think about when they're creating content for their business is there's probably multiple ways that you can use it. You can have it on your website. You might use it as part of a, a press release or an editorial or a story that you submit. You might put a little bit of it on social media. You can get quite good bang for your buck if you can think about how you can slice and dice a piece of content to utilize it in many ways. You might put it in your newsletter as well. Yeah, exactly, because there are many ways in which to sort of skin a cat. Bex, before we run out of time and before your beautiful children start rattling at the door and, and very appreciative of your time, is um best story you ever broke? Yeah, well, this is a really hard one because I don't know if I would define best in terms of a story that I was most proud of yeah. or a story that, you know, sticks in my mind. There's various things that stick in my mind, not necessarily for good reasons. Um. And I, I wrote down a few. And from a news point of view, when I was in daily news, um, I attended a cool store explosion in Hamilton. And that was a really big story at the time. And we won Newspaper of the Year. Um, I wouldn't say just because of that story, but our coverage was certainly, um, and I attended that. Uh, and I was proud of what we did, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't something that helped people. Um mm. In the rural space, um, we did a lot of stories around carbon forestry, and I live in a community where there is a lot of um, uh, there are a lot of farms being bought for forestry, and we did a, a number of stories in countrywide, and I wrote quite a few around our community and the impact it was having on our community, which obviously I do have a vested interest in, so I did have to declare a conflict of interest at the bottom of the stories, but. I was proud of those, and we did win the the main um, award at the Ag Juno Awards, and that was a number of journalists. We had a team entry. I was really proud of that one. Um, but and probably the the best one that sticks in my mind, and it's just purely selfish, is I went on a, a two week horse trip from uh, with Alpine Horse Safaris, and we went I'm trying to think remember exactly where it went from. But I'm pretty sure we started at Harden, and we went over the Two Thumb Range and ended up on the other side it was two weeks and I wrote 
you know, a couple of stories from that. And that was an amazing, amazing experience. And I did all the photography and wrote, yeah, wrote the story for that. And I still get people telling me that they go and do that trek based on that story. So I don't know. I think I'd love to say that I wrote a story that helped someone that was ill or they, you know, they were able to get treatment they needed or something really, or I shot a life on a really important society you know, an issue or something, but I, I can't really say that I've ever had that kind of impact. But I do just think in general it's when you go and talk to someone and maybe you weren't necessarily expecting it and you just think, wow, that what an amazing story. That person is so inspirational. They've worked really hard to get to where they are. They've got such a great story to tell and I come home and I just can't wait to start writing and I just love it when I get that feeling. And it doesn't happen all the time. And I wouldn't say it's rare, but when it does, it's just like a magical thing because it makes you just want to, I can't go to sleep at night because I'm thinking about what I'm going to write. Yeah. Bex, I reckon uh, that's a great place to end because I know that you're a very good human being and I'm absolutely certain and confident that you will continue to share very good, very positive, great rural stories. And obviously we wish you all the very best with the weather, uh, with the farm, fingers crossed obviously but you're you're down the down the track from us but it's been pretty rough we're obviously all thinking for farmers down south at the moment with lamb survival and cold snap that's coming through and hopefully spring and a bit of sun will arrive on our backs but Bex, i wanted to uh say thanks so much for all the the value that you've shared there Bex, where the people that have been listening to this where can they get hold of you to get in contact because you you know you're really good at what you do so where where would you point them to where's the best place they can get hold of you well, firstly, I hope there was some value in what I said, but um, the best place would probably be to go to my website, which is www.rebeccagraves.com. I I am pretty limited in what I've got room for at the current time. Um, I've obviously got young children, our young child, and uh, a number of commitments already, but I'm certainly always um, keen to, to hear from people. Awesome, Bex. Well, I'm very keen that you uh, you took our call and gave us your time. Uh, you've been incredibly generous with the information you've given, loads of stuff that people can use there. And again, so humble. Um, I know it's been a few years since you've been in the editor role, but you know, you're know you now coming back to journalism now. You've got the beautiful blend of the farm and, and the media. And um, yeah, really appreciate it, mate. And thanks for coming on the show. Uh, no problem. No, thank you for having me.